Welcome to Indigenous Empowerment, a platform to gain information regarding Indigenous issues, past and present. We will highlight people who are making an impact in our community with their talents and passion. We will provide insightful commentary and informed perspective. My name is Shanna Lawrence. Welcome to Indigenous Empowerment. Welcome listeners. I'd like to introduce you to Candace Hamana, a Native American business owner here in Phoenix, Arizona. Candace is a founder of Badger PR, a boutique public relations firm currently servicing clients located in the Phoenix metropolitan area and tribal communities throughout Indian country. I chose to interview Candace as I've watched her grow professionally and share her talents and passion within our community. I foresee her impact will continue to grow. Welcome Candace. To Indigenous Empowerment. Thank you. Na kwang talongwa, na Candice Hamana Yanmatsiwa, na Hanangwangwa, na Mungkungna Sino. Good morning, everyone. My name is Candice Hamana. I am Badger Clan, and I'm from the village of Upper Mungkopi. Thank you. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and your PR firm. Sure. Um, Well, as you know, um, I did start my own PR business, public relations business, last year in September. Uh, I am a small business owner. Um, I have been, in one way or another, I've been in public relations, public affairs, communications for at least a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, I got started actually back when I was living in South Carolina working on local and national. It was a primary presidential uh, campaign. And uh, I realized um, probably about six months into volunteering for a campaign that I actually really enjoyed being out in the community. I enjoyed connecting with people. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed um, that feeling of giving people empowerment when they uh, have access to information and can make informed decisions about policies and issues that affect us uh, in our everyday lives. And so um, that's kind of uh, where the, the public relations and community outreach was kind of first born. Um, when I moved back to Arizona in 2012, I started working for a tribal community as their media relations specialist. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I gained a little bit more experience developing relationships with uh, the media, print, news, online, you know, reporters, um, really crafting those media relations skills. Uh, After I left that uh, working for the tribe, I moved on to be um, a tribal stakeholder relations analyst for a local... That is a big title. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I know, can barely fit on a business card. (laughs) So I don't have to worry about that anymore. (laughs) So that's good. Um, But uh, yeah, working as an analyst for, um, it's called the Arizona... Uh, Central Conservation Water District, mm-hmm. um, or Central Arizona Water District, excuse me, um, also known as CAP, um, working for them, and again, building those relationships and working with all of the tribes 
that have water allocations and or claims to water rights here in Arizona kind of gave me a little bit, pardon the pun, but I was able to dive deeper um, (laughs) into issues that really impact tribal communities Mm -hmm. and um, that passion for uh, bringing people together, connecting communities, sharing information and resources and helping people just be more aware of issues and things that affect us on a daily uh, daily life. Um, that just kind of became my passion. And so when I left the company I was working for last year, um, Badger PR was actually something that I had thought of five years ago, um, but I was going through personal uh, displacement at that time I was going through a divorce mm-hmm. and anybody who's been divorced or has gone through that process understands that it can be um, financially draining to um, rebuild your life mm-hmm. um, and so I actually had commissioned my badger claw which is part of my logo I had commissioned an artist to do that probably about five or six years ago oh, wow. I had um, purchase my domain website badgerpr.com however don't that's not the one that I ended up using because somebody actually picked that up after I let that expire um, sadly uh, and that'll go into the tips for starting my business but um, yeah uh, since then I've just been able to connect with the the people and the tribal communities Mm -hmm. that you know have a very uh significant place in my heart and hopefully be able to work with them and help them bring messages of positivity empowerment and education so that you know we have stronger communities throughout indian country yeah no that sounds fabulous what um made you come up with the name uh badger pr so Badger is actually uh, part of my Hopi clan. Mm -hmm. And in talking with my uncle, um, I learned that, you know, our clans, the relationship to our clans as as Hopi and the villages that we belong to, these clans all have certain, uh, I guess, powers or abilities or different things that they contribute to the village as a whole. And so badgers are known to be protectors Mm -hmm. and healers of the community. And so um, it was important to me to kind of tap into that as my own way of uh, self-agency, self-identification, and just having pride in the fact that, you know, badgers are very resilient, uh, strong animals, but they're, and they just play um, a pivotal role in their contributions to the village. And so that's how I chose the Badger, Badger PR. Okay. Well, that is definitely very interesting. And I can definitely understand how that would, um, that would speak to you, mm-hmm. uh, the resiliency, because um, it sounds like you definitely fought hard to get to where you are now. So, um, and that is very commendable. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> So um, do you mind discussing some of the projects that you have worked on or some of the projects you currently work on through Badger PR? 
Sure. Uh, well, one of the first projects that uh, I signed a contract to um, once I turned in my resignation at my previous employer in September, I want to say the last day that I was employed there was on September 13th. Mm -hmm. um, and then my new, my contract, my first contract started on September 24th. And it was here with a local nonprofit. Um, they had reached out to me and asked me to run their Native Vote Initiative. Okay. And that was basically two phases where you first try to register as many urban American Indians um, as you can. Um, you know, we're in Phoenix, and there is a huge contingency of urban Indians, is what they call them, right, um, who live here in the metropolitan area. And I believe the numbers do show, you know, if we increased our voter turnout and registration, we actually have power to, you know, influence and swing votes. And so mm -hmm. um, it was really an important initiative, and I was really thankful that they saw, you know, the value in uh, having my services and come on board as their um, to design the program, um, develop the campaign messages, and also just facilitate and uh, train our volunteers on how to, you know, run voter registration drives, mm. um, the educational aspect aspects of, you know, how to make a plan for voting, understanding what issues were really important to American Indians um, across Indian country, and then, of course, getting out the vote on, you know, election day, actually turning people out to the polls and giving them information so that they know what their rights are as a voter when they go to the polls. You know, we want to try and uh, mitigate that level of voter intimidation that some um, urban American Indians may experience when they go to vote. Great. And did you find um, success with that program? And did you find that people were really willing to be a part of that project? You know, I can say that there were pockets of uh, enthusiasm, participation, and awareness. But I think you'll find this across all sorts of, you know, minority populations and maybe just in general, but there is a sense of apathy mm -hmm. um, where they don't feel a vested interest. Mm -hmm. And for tribal communities, it's different because, um, you know, in some way, tribal communities think that it's more important just to participate on their within their tribal level mm. so whether they're voting in for their tribal council or their chairman or vice chairman as opposed to wondering or being concerned about voting in who's going to be the mayor you mm -hmm. know of phoenix um or who's going to be you know serving in the house or in the senate right. um so but but I think with enough education and just kind of reiterating the, the fact to people that, you know, it is those people who get elected, at the, you know, in the legislature um, who represent districts mm -hmm. that really carry a lot of weight in determining how much, uh, how many, how much resources are going to go to issues that we care about, whether that's education, health care, veterans care, mm -hmm. um, you know, and being able to 
not just talk about those issues, but actually develop policies and introduce legislation that can have a positive impact. And so um, there's more work to do, but I was really excited to be a part of that program. And what was nice is that we ended the um, Native Vote Initiative by having a rooftop rally, mm -hmm. and we invited... I think all of the local candidates that ran for mayor and we had nine of them show up wow. and speak to the urban American Indians or native vote, mm -hmm. you know, speak to that contingency. And I think that that was a really positive first step mm -hmm. in not just giving the candidates a platform, but making our other people like us, other Indians, other American Indians that are here in the city, um, understand that when we come together collectively, we have a lot of power to have these types of events where candidates feel compelled to come and speak about mm -hmm. issues that um, affect our daily lives. So that was one of the... Um, that was one of the first projects that I took on, and shortly thereafter, um, we wrapped up that campaign. I got hired on by another uh, nonprofit located more up in northern Arizona, and um, through some grant funding that we received from a national organiza organization, uh, we were able to do some work on the uh, closure of the Navajo Generating Station, oh, yes. which is the Southwest's largest coal um, mine and pumping plant um, here in, you know, in the Southwest, and, and it generates uh, power using the coal that is stripped from mines located on Hopi and Navajo reservations. Um, and we know that the economy has shifted in a way that energy, uh, the energy market has this shift as well, um, mm -hmm. where coal is not profitable anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, and then also with increased regulations under previous administrations um, have made it difficult, you know. Uh, so it's interesting that... Um, you know, the work that I was able to do directly impacted both Hopi and Navajo because, you know, I, I'm both. I'm, I'm Hopi and I'm Navajo, but because we are matrilineal society, um, <clears throat> as American Indians, my mother's full Hopi. And so that's how, you know, that's kind of where I claim, you know, my, my initial heritage um, is is Hopi, but my father was Navajo. And so um, both these communities were impacted by preemptive mine closures. And um, the work that I was hired to do there was uh, to develop and facilitate workshops to kind of help the communities heal. It's kind of designed to bring both Hopi and Navajo uh, stakeholders and community leaders together to talk about what is the new economy going to look like mm -hmm. after this coal, the coal mining goes away, you know, because <clears throat> the impacts are devastating on one hand, and there's two trains of thought, you know, that 
it's a bad thing uh, that the coal mine is going away and to think about the, the loss of jobs and how it's going to impact families because workers are going to have to travel farther and be away from home. But there are other traditional aspects and folks and perspectives who are almost celebrating that mm-hmm. these coal mining operations are going away. These these systems that have been forced upon tribal communities, you know, um, though they've brought profit and um, money and, you know, sort of injected some um, money into the local economy, uh, it also has drained the the economy or drained the communities of finite resources like water and Mm -hmm. just air quality and things that you can't really put a price on. Um, not to mention, you know, those environmental impacts to the the land and and the, the trees that can grow and the animals that eat off of the land. And uh, those things, um, I think, gave uh, sort of, it was sort of like the silver lining around something that was bringing economic devastation to both Hopi and Navajo, but there are uh, perspectives that say it's a good thing because it actually gives the land and the environment that um, that surround both Hopi and Navajo time to heal mm-hmm. and kind of rebuild and replenish itself. Um, so that was um, the second project, the big major project that I uh, had signed on to. And finally, uh, during the summer, uh, I was again hired on by a local nonprofit here in Phoenix to help them design and launch um, a native youth uh, internship program where we partnered with Valley businesses and companies and they took on some of our um, Native American youth that are here in the Valley and gave them that work experience and kind of demonstrated you know, to them that they have value, that they can contribute to society, to the local economy, and, you know, and just um, build that sense of pride and confidence. So those are some of the projects that I've been able to work on. And I know I told you earlier, I'll be traveling up to Hopi tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am speaking to the Hopi Tewa Coalition um, about native voting and they mm-hmm. want me to come out and kind of present uh, about the work that I've been doing mm-hmm. in that arena. Yeah, it sounds like the native vote um, project is something that you will continue to work on, whether it's with um, as, as par- uh, personally or professionally, because I know that's really important to you. Yeah, oh, that's, great. that's so true. I think that I mean, I'm really geeky like that, <laughs> but, um, you know, that was so one was of the things I was website, most excited I about. I remember when I, I turned 18 you had on was, there, and I really wow, I know can what go register to vote. And <laughs> that <laughs> is communication <laughs> strategies for the fearless. So, so what yeah, I'm excited for the work that I'm will sure. continue to so come, whether when it's in a volunteer I capacity as a citizen Badger PR and sort of, you know, right. When you start a business, they, just, they tell you to think about the big we why. Are, we are you know, very powerful. Why are you starting a business? Together, or what um, and is have a the cause overall goal? Um, invested um, in. We can definitely and what does that you know, that. So feel like? And what does that taste like? And what does that invoke? What are the images? You know, And I think that for me, um, it's kind of invoking uh, 
a desire and a willingness to work with organizations, other small business owners, nonprofit agencies that are doing things actively in the community because, you know, if if you are operating from a place of fear, you're standing still, you know, and you're not moving. But if you are actively wanting to work on campaigns or actively wanting to educate the masses, um, then you are doing something because there's that sense of fearlessness, right? There's a sense of, of, of moving forward and not standing still. Um, and so the communication strategies for the fearless, um, it's, it's kind of like a, it was almost like a, a badge of honor for me. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like um, we, we can't be fearful and we shouldn't. And the work that we do, at least the work that I do, my big why, you know, I want to help make a difference. Um, I want to, you know, give communities and um, individuals and people just a sense of empowerment and, uh, you know, sometimes you have to look fear in the face mm-hmm. and and take on those projects that might make you feel a little uncomfortable at first. Because when I was working, you know, within Hopi and Navajo about the Navajo generating station and this coal, um, coal mining and the closure, um, you know, you're going to have opposition. Like I said, there was there were people who were strongly supporting, you know, the coal mining community and there were more traditional folks. Mm-hmm. And if uh, if you didn't, you know, you kind of have to n- know how to plant yourself. But I mean, that could be a, for some other companies or or another PR firm. They may not want to necessarily get in between that. That's too, uh, it's emotional, you know, and it's, it can be combative. And so it's scary, right? And it's easier to kind of back away from a topic that might be a little bit controversial. But um, my, my whole reason for starting the business and utilizing and, and implementing my skills and my talents as a writer, as a communicator, uh, as a community organizer is to tackle those things that might be a little confrontational. And so, you know, the, the entities and the organizations and companies um, that want to hire me, you know, will need to know that's kind of the essence of what Badger PR is, you know, not will um, uh, uh, willing to take on you know uh, those challenges and to be challenged and not be fearful and back down from things. Well, that is fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Sure. Um, so first of all, congratulations on your one year anniversary. Thank you. I'm still trying to figure out what technically is my one year anniversary. Is it the day that I, you know signed my first contract is it the day that I filed my LLC is it the day that I you know opened up my bank account for the business you know I'm I'm still kind of confused about like what is my actual anniversary date but we are definitely within that one year time frame Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to decide because I'd kind of like to launch something I um 
I had told you I'm reworking my my own logo. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the relaunch of my updated logo, and I'm, I'm thinking about retooling my own website as well, just a little bit. Um, just kind of wondering specifically what date am I going to choose to sort of unveil and have that sort of birthday celebration. But thank you. It's been a year of learning and growing. I'm really excited. Yes, good. Definitely. Thank you. Um, So do you have a couple of tips that you'd like to share with some of our viewers in regards to starting your own business? Yeah, actually, as part of the anniversary, I am going to um, publish top 10 tips for starting your own business. Oh, because I do have women and men, uh, people who reach out to me and, you know, ask me, you know, what did you do? How did you even get things going? You know, um, and so I wanted to make a sort of practical guide of the top 10 things for starting your business. And so I'm going to share with you today the top five. Okay. Um, and so, uh, and then I'll have the full top 10 released um, once I do and unveil the new logo and have my uh, website updated. So we'll start with number 10, which is don't wait. You know, take small steps every day to secure the future business that you envision for yourself. Mm. So whether that means you're capturing those ideas or those thoughts um, about your business you know, you've got to write them down, whether that's on your phone and in an online diary or if you just keep a notebook uh, on hand or by your nightstand. Um, Even thinking about, you know, what kind of business uh, you think you might want to start or just making a checklist of the things that you would need to do to get started, even if it's Checklist number one, you know, Mm -hmm. research how to start a business. Um, You know, you're actively doing something to move towards that goal. Um, And don't wait. You know, I think that, again, we stand in front of ourselves and like we block ourselves from maybe having a a side hustle or building a new career. Um, We kind of get frozen in place, right? But... um, to th- if you think you want to start your own business, like don't wait, don't wait for a, a green light to just come off, um, because uh, you you know you may be stuck in limbo for a while if mm-hmm. you um, just stand still. So actively take small steps every day to research what kind of business it is that you want to start, or maybe you already know. Um, even just doing research on competition or you know what other businesses are doing Mm -hmm. um is something and so that would be number our number 10 um the other number nine is street credit is good but bank credit is better (laughs) so (laughs) so tell us a little bit more about that (laughs) right well you know when you do start your business there's going to be a lot of people who may have been doing it longer than you Mm -hmm. and so they're kind of want to they're going to want to know what you're all about and can you hold your own and it's a little bit like um not like a contest but I mean you definitely feel like 
you've got to sort of prop yourself up and flash street mm-hmm. cred. Like I know what I'm doing. This right. is, you know, um, which is all great and fine. It, it is obviously part of a marketing strategy, but understand developing the, a strong financial foundation for your business is going to serve you better down mm-hmm. the road. So make sure that you're operating it legitimately and setting up, you know, the structure of your business and then being able to start thinking about your business as its own as its own entity. Cuz they say that later on when you decide you might want to grow and you need to borrow money from the bank, the bank doesn't look at your credit as a business owner. Mm-hmm. They look at the credit of the business. Right. So it's important to understand that and kind of have that at the forefront of your mind when you're starting. Um, and so it's kind of that hustle that you do on the down low, but you want to make sure that you're financially um, securing the business in that respect by just understanding that, you know, you, you want to get your business checking account as soon as possible, mm-hmm. your tax ID number, and just making sure that you're starting to build that bank credit from day one. Great. Um, number eight, be prepared to be your own best cheerleader. That's a, you know, it's easy to say it, but mm-hmm. um, there's going to be nights when you're up and you don't know where your next contract's coming from or you've already done the work and you've sent out the invoice, but now you're just chasing money, just trying to get paid. <laughs> um, and you feel like giving up or you feel, uh, you know, just anything can happen during the course of that first year. There's a lot of emotional up and downs. And if you don't have a strong support system, you have to realize that the only person you can fall back on is yourself. Mm. Um, and so it takes a lot of emotional fortitude to to go through every day and, um, you know, hype yourself up, give yourself your pep talk, you know, and do those types of things. So just prepare yourself. Just know that that's, that's going to be coming and there's going to be days when you don't feel like having a pep rally for yourself or hyping yourself up. But, um, but you'll take it one day at a time and just know that you believing in yourself and believing in your business is probably one of the, the best tools you could have in your toolkit because it does come down to sort of um, uh, just being able to believe in yourself and the business and the mm-hmm. service and value that you're providing. Right. Um, number seven is do your digital due diligence. Ooh. And I learned that one uh, firsthand because I, like I said, I had thought about starting this business about five years ago and I had went on to, I think it was GoDaddy or something, and I had purchased, you know, um, BadgerPR.com. Mm-hmm. And then, like a fool, <laughs> <laughs> I let that domain expire. Um, and so uh, when I went to start up the business again, somebody else had already purchased my domain. Oh, got it. And so now if I want to go back and I think I, if I pay like it was 1300 at the time, it's probably now more because I've kind of, you know, added 
probably some uh, SEO points to it, some search engine optimization. So anyway, um, if I wanted to purchase it now, I'm sure it would be a little bit more expensive. Um, so in order to not spend $1,300 buying my original domain name back, I just decided to um, name the domain name and all my social media handles Hello Badger PR. Okay. That's where that came from. That's the Hello where Badger. That, okay. Yeah. So that's where that came from. And I kind of feel like Hello takes the edge off of like being a Badger too. So mm-hmm. it was like Hello <laughs> Badger PR. You know, it was right. a little more friendly and approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, welcoming, definitely. Yes. More welcoming for sure. Because um, nobody wants to be badgered, right? <laughs> or they right. do. I don't know. But um, so, but yeah. So, uh, so do your digital due diligence. Um, make sure that your business name is available through, you know, your state commission office. Make sure you know the website domain is available. Mm-hmm. Think about what your finan- your social media handles are going to be, and hopefully. You know, if if you don't run into problems that I had, um, you can find those things and you want to make them the same across all your platforms. Right. I have noticed that sometimes when you are looking for something and you're like, oh, I'll look at them on Facebook. I'll look at them on Instagram and they have different names and you're like, uh, which one is which? I can't find it or whatever. So when it's nice to have all the platforms to be the same. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Great tip. Great tip. That is mm-hmm. a good one. And that one, like I said, I, I learned because, you know, uh, financially it was just going to be better for me to slightly alter it and add that hello mm-hmm. badger PR dot uh, okay. com um, and then finally um, my sixth tip is for starting your business is to understand if you've never started or owned a business that you will spend the first part of six months researching how to start or own a business okay so um, and you kind of don't know what you don't know for uh, lack of better phrasing. And I know that sounds really ambiguous, but I think it's important then to make sure that you've got a strong mentor uh, that you might be able to, you know, bounce some of your ideas off of um, or that you tap into local community resources. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I went to small business development courses. I know that I took some, Uh, just online workshops and things about you know the nice thing is that there's so many online resources that are either free or at a very minimal cost and or community sponsored events Mm -hmm. um, that you can you know at least get a general idea of um, the answers for some of your questions Um, and the small business development center which is a nationwide network Um, And every city has a small business development center. They offer, you know, free classes that you can register for. And they also will assign a um, like a business coach out of those centers to help you understand, you know, how to track your business expenses, how to structure your business, Mm -hmm. you know, um, thinking about what kind of target customer you're trying to attract those types of things. And those are all very helpful. So those are my five tips, the top five anyway. And then I have another five 
but um, I will be putting that on my website as a downloadable PDF. Great. Well, thank you so much for those top five tips out of 10 um, that you have provided to us today. And this um, how to start a business tips is for any type of business, not just a public relations business. Right. Absolutely. Um, You know, anyone who is looking to start a business, whether they're selling candles or a service, you know, service or product, um, I think those tips will be something that everyone can use and hopefully have some, find some value in. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Candace. Um, and before we get to how we can find you online, I just have one more question for you, and that is what are your future goals with Badger PR? So um, that is a great question because uh, one thing that's kind of been on my bucket list actually is to um, write a book. Oh. And mm-hmm. so um, I just feel like there is a lot of room and space and opportunity for American Indian uh, authors. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's time for us to start telling our own stories. Um, so I know that eventually, as part of my business and scaling the business, I want to be able to offer a product in the form of a book. Um, that's just in its infancy mm-hmm. thought process right now. Um, that is something that I'm probably going to be um, working on in the next three to five years. Okay. Hopefully sooner, but I'm giving myself, you know, now that I'm putting myself on blast with a podcast, um, <laughs> like somehow that deadline just got extended by two years. So I was like, oh, it's a couple You're years You're on the 10th step <laughs> yeah. right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then um, I would actually like to have just a small nonprofit uh, form from the Badger PR business side. Um, but I'd like a nonprofit where um, I could offer journalism and or um, PR sort of workshops to oh, American great. Indian youth mm-hmm. up on Hopi and or Navajo. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely a very those are definitely very good goals to have for Badger PR. So we look forward to seeing that and uh, no pressure or anything like that, but we definitely right. look forward <laughs> to seeing that in the future. Yes. Um, thank so you. thank you so much, Candace, for giving us all of that great information. It's been really nice to see you grow professionally. And um, I really want our viewers to be able to find you. So yeah. please share with us how we can find you on any of the different platforms. That's the easy part. So you can find my website is uh, www.hellobadgerpr.com. You can find my handle, hellobadgerpr, on Instagram and Facebook. Great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we end this podcast for today? Well, I think it's just important that we note that today is Indigenous Peoples Day here in Phoenix. And it's really exciting that um, we're able to mark and commemorate this day Mm -hmm. by having this podcast interview. And so I'm just incredibly honored that you asked me to be your guest. And um, I do hope that... uh, 
you have continued success with your podcast and have some, I look forward to all the amazing stories that I know are out there and that you'll be uh, airing on future episodes. So happy Indigenous Peoples Day. I think that's a wonderful celebration. And I'm just proud that I live in the city of Phoenix where we actually have that um, replace uh, Columbus Day. So thank you. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day to you as well. I do know that this is definitely a nationwide movement as we uh, continue to um, enlighten people about what our people have gone through and the indigenous issues that we've had in the past. Um, and I know that North Carolina, where I currently live now, just uh, passed an Indigenous Peoples Day as well. So we're yeah. really excited about that. I saw that. That's yes. so awesome. Yes. And um, I was very encouraged and happy to hear that too. Yes. So thank you so much again, Candace Hamana, owner of Badger PR. If you would like to be a part of the Indigenous Empowerment Podcast, you may reach us at info at ieaz.org. And you can also find Candace on www.hellobadgerpr.com. We look forward to talking to you again, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.